this whole thing about John and having a dream. I spent, I spent a couple of mornings the last week writing these questions out, um, uh, you know, journaling about it, thinking about it. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, you know, looking at my talents, uh, my greatest talents, my greatest character strengths. What do others who have nothing to gain say I'm good at? Uh, what have my unique life experiences prepared me? What is my greatest passion? The thing I love doing so much, I would gladly do it for free. You know, sometimes you kind of look at what are you doing for free type, type stuff. What is so important to me that I, I would be willing to die for it? Now, that really, you think about the difference of that contract. I kind of want to ask John Maxwell a question here. Really? After talents, life experiences, what am I good at? My character strengths, my passion. Then what am I willing to die? You know, what is so important to me that I would be willing to die for it? Um, that brought it to a whole new. Any thoughts on with anybody on that? To me, that's that takes me back to family. You know, would I jump in that, you know, river and try to save that kid kind of thing? Yeah. Would I be willing to die for it? I, you know, anybody floating by, I don't know. I was a lifeguard, but, you know, family. I don't know that I have a purpose or job or dream that I would die for. Mm. You know, I have to think about that. Well, I mean, Danny, your experience in the military was, I mean, much longer than, and you're, I mean, you're in full time, but, um, you know, there's some people in the military, first responders, and they're yeah. running to the trouble. That's a, that's a big deal. And, uh, there's some, finally some people I met to go, I, I can't, I can't handle that anymore. You know, I got to put more emphasis on my family directly and maybe, you know, step out of the military. Not knocking their service, or they're you know not knocking it, but they just need to refocus. But that's one I would think of most. Yeah, I'm thinking, Tom. You're making me think of 9/11. All those guys and gals who ran to burning, you know, a World Trade Center tower that they were pretty sure was probably going to fall down. Yeah, crazy. Or people that. Went, yeah. went directly to a recruitment center the day after nine after nine eleven and signed up. Yes, like boom. Yep. Yeah, that's that's big. And that's saying it's some a dream I have, something I want to do yeah. that I would die yeah. for. That's exactly yeah. what that means. So, you know who that actor is that plays Thor, right? On the Avengers. Uh, yeah, he. There's a series on right now and i'll have to look it up i can't remember the name of it life step or something like that but anyhow he's going through uh dealing with stress and fear and this counselor lady that specializes mm -hmm. in that is taking mm -hmm. him through all these steps and the thing he had to do to train for that was to go up 900 feet and walk out on a crane uh and 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 work on reducing his heart rate and his stress level because he he didn't want stress to end up affecting his long-term life so i highly recommend the series i watched the first episode and i was like wow this is cool so you know anyhow yeah, yeah that i saw that first episode that... that was pretty impressive considering his he was uh 
I mean, his, his level of panic just getting on the elevator before he climbed up was like way up there. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Life snips. That's right. That's what it is, or something like that. Yeah, it is. There's uh, the doctor in there has got him a Tia that been following for a while. Atia is doing a lot of, he's been studying some on his own, but he's, he and his team have been doing a lot of studies on aging and, and taking other people's studies over the last X number of decades and, and putting it all, compiling data about aging. And, um, you know, we're all, I mean, people, you take Dan Forbes' dad, he lived to be 101. Uh, uh, my brother's stepfather lived to be 100. But it gets down to quality of life. And what Atia mm-hmm. is saying is that and you, the people are living to be 100 in, into their 90s and 100 and past now. It's genetics. When medically, we should all be living to be 100 because of the, the advancement of medicine and what we know about nutrition, but people aren't taking care of themselves. They're not exercising, they're falling. Um, I mean, the average 70 year old has more muscle, undeveloped muscle cells than he or she has ever developed in their life. They could still be developing muscle cells. So Atia gets into that and that was part of the project what they did there with uh i can't think of the actor's name now uh uh, the the thor guy so helmsworth what helmsworth it's helmsworth i think it's not liam's his brother i can't remember what he chris helmsworth that's it yes yeah so number two question my present some people look at their current circumstances, become discouraged because they're not where they want to be, but looking at the present is part of the process of discovering your dream. Answer the following question to help you see the potential of the present. Oh, by the way, back to what are you willing to die for? I started thinking about uh, Yellowstone <laughs> and John Dutton and, and, and the 1883, 1923 and all of that. <laughs> um, what are all my current resources? Time, money, people, opportunities. What current circumstances can I possibly change for, to free up more resources or create more opportunities? What is unique to my current circumstances? Then he gets into my future. And, um, and says, uh, he says, I hope you're beginning to see a pattern created by your past and present circumstances. Now it's time you ask yourself, if I could do anything I wanted, what would it be? And then we go into how far can I go? So where do you want to go? And how far can I go? You know, a good trip down memory lane thinking back to the I mean when most of us were growing up everybody in here hey Castro hey Ural hey, uh, everybody but you well, uh, uh, the the space race was hmm. I mean, 
We heard it all the time, mm -hmm. right, Tom? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've only I've only seen reports and stuff. I wasn't around for that time. Yeah. I mean, if he had not have stated what he stated, no, it wouldn't have. It, it's. I mean, dad, Herdy, your dad was involved in some of that. My dad was the lead engineer on the guidance system for Apollo. Mm. <clears throat> and Hans Holt with uh, all that staff, Walter von Braun, all those guys. It was a miracle. So your attitude determines your altitude. A dream without a positive attitude produces a daydreamer on page 48. A positive attitude without a dream produces a pleasant person who can't progress. A dream together with positive attitude produces a person with unlimited possibilities and potential. To go far in the right direction, you need both, and Kennedy knew that. Yogi Bear, life is like baseball. It's 95% mental and the other half is physical. <laughs> Anybody read David Goggins? Yeah, which one? He just uh, got out, he just put out a new book. Yeah, have you read both of them? I haven't read the new one, but I've read the, uh, the You Can't Hurt Me. Yep. Yep. And, you know, uh, and he claims in that, and this is, uh, you know, former Navy SEALs, Special Forces, a couple other things that when we're, we think we, we've gone as far as we can go, uh, uh, we're only 40% uh, there. And uh, his new book, Can't Hurt Me. Uh, some of you know Dan, I think everybody on here, well, not everybody, but, uh, but some of you know Dan Forbes. Dan's listening to the book the second time right now. I mean, it's incredible. Um, just what he physically puts himself through and he said it's not the physical it's the mental any comments on any anything here in pages you know uh, i'm on page 51 looking i love that little cartoon my best girl left me. I I have a, a lousy job. My feet hurt. The other guy says, I'm engaged to a beauty. I love this job and I can dance all night. The first guy said, he sure takes the fun out of wallowing in your own misery. Yeah. What do you think about that thing about the attitude is a choice? <laughs> if, you, uh, if you ever want to get like a funny perspective on attitude, I'm a fan just pick at random any Dilbert cartoon. And it is just, if the if the bosses, the, the pointy-haired boss is there, you're like, what an attitude. It just, it is, you know, it, it just typifies. And, and the author of those cartoons swears after the first 18 months, he never had to write anything. People sent him actual ideas based on their experience. He just drew the cartoon. But it really, really hits you on attitude. Pretty funny. Sad but funny. 
what I didn't realize for quite a while was because I've always had a pretty good attitude about things and, you know, done a lot of things, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't realize you got to hang with the right people. Because I had a friend at work because she lived in my neighborhood and we were both working at Glaxo and she's just very negative about life. And people thought I was negative because I was sitting next to her at a meeting. And they just assume if I'm hanging with her that I'm negative too. And um, it, that, it, it cost me, a, you know, some, I wouldn't say a promotion, but it cost me some opportunities because I was being nice to her and she would be bitch, <laughs> complaining about something. And, you know, I'd either nod or say, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I just really didn't separate myself from her bad attitude. And um, so I've learned now to uh, just stay away from those people. Yeah, it, it cost you some equity. It's what Stephen yes. Covey would say. Yes, it did. Yep. I'm uh, got somebody right now um, that is uh, daily dealing with some neg negativity in his, somebody that he, has to be around every day uh, without making some changes then how he's influenced versus how he should be influencing and so uh, Maxwell would call it would it talks about leading down leading around and leading up What's the thing about if you stare into the abyss, it's looking back at you. That's part of it too. You, you know, you become what you're hanging out with. Mm -hmm. we have, we've talked before about, you know, the five people that you have in your inner circle. Yeah. It, it, it's a big part of, you know, what Ziegler claimed a couple of people before him that you're going to become um, five years from now, you'll be the same as you are today based upon, who you hang out with, what you watch, what you listen, what you read. Yep. Anything else in this chapter? Oh, the sowing the seeds. Was that in this one or was that in the last one? What? Sowing seeds of success for others, helping others. Yeah, go ahead. Well, just that... Um, the older I get, the more I'm trying to do that for younger generation. Just, you know, sh sharing what I know, helping, not so much telling people what to do, but helping them kind of think through it. Mailing somebody, the book I love called The Defining Decade about how the 20s, being in your 20s defines where you're going to go in your life, the decisions you're making. It's just Yeah, Danny, I think for me, um, when they talk about seven signs of a great attitude, that first one about belief in self, you know, it's not about being cocky, you know, their ego, but, you know, you've met <clears throat> people that I'm sure in work, I had one that I described as Debbie Downer. She kind of walked through the room, you see the rain cloud. Yeah. And then she just, it's like she radiated that. And uh, it, it, I mean, she had such terrible, such low self-esteem, although she had, I thought, good technical skills. But it's like she would put herself in a position where 
it was almost like she would talk herself out of an opportunity. I don't know how else to say it, but it's like she she got past some opportunities because of her her attitude, I think. Yeah. But it, it wasn't her technical skills. She just uh, I think that's just so strong. And I know a lot of Maxwell's writings have to do with belief in self. He's trying to, you know, think about your self-worth. And so I think that's an important fact. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that story earlier in the chapter uh, where, you know, to that point that the principal called in three teachers and said, because you three teachers are the finest in the system, you have the greatest expertise. You're going to give, we're going to give you 90 selected high IQ students. We're going to let you move these students through this next year at their pace and see how much they learn. By the end of the year, the students achieved 20 to 30% more than other students in the entire uh, area. Uh, he said, I have a confession to make, the principal told the three students. You did not have the 90 of the most intellectually prominent students. They were run-of-the-mill students. We took 90 students at random from the system and gave them to you. And then I have another confession. You're not the brightest of the teachers. Your names were the first three drawn out of a hat. <laughs> I mean, right there, it's right to your, what you, the seven signs of great attitude in that first one you pointed out there, Tom, belief in self. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Danny, I worked with a guy at Cooper's who had uh, served as a, Helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Three tours. Uh, he was not a draftee. And he wouldn't talk about it very much. I said, well, I said, how was it? Well, I lost six helicopters. But only three were my fault. Oh, wait a minute. After you lose two, you think you'd like, you're volunteering, you'd like, you'd go home. He goes, <laughs> what do you mean? He never thought of that. And, and <clears throat> was he a calm person? Oh, yeah. Nothing bothered him because they can't kill us there. That's that's all he'd say. So he just had that whole thing in his head because yeah, through my fault. You're like, yeah. Willingness to see the best in others, ability to see opportunity else uh, everywhere. Focus on solutions. Desire to give. Persistence. Responsibility for their lives. The final characteristics of positive people is their willingness to take responsibility for their own lives. Unsuccessful people duck responsibility. But a successful person understands that nothing positive happens until you're willing to step forward and take full responsibility for your thoughts and actions. Dan, I'm, I'm curious because it's a real life situation we're dealing with Diana here. So you think it's possible to coach someone to get out of that mess? You know, I mean, where it's somebody else's fault. One me or someone else. I mean, is it possible? I mean, you know, when you, I'm talking about an adult. I mean, it, I, you know, I don't know how to handle that. Well, if they're not willing to listen. They're not willing to listen or they're willing to just read something. If they're not willing, I mean, I do believe that, I mean, 
I'm thinking three or four books just popped through my head. Yeah. What to say when you talk to, to yourself by Sham Headsetter. Um, um, uh, he was he was one of the first guys to really write in a big way, uh, uh, get books published about neuroplasticity. And okay. that was the second book my wife ever saw me buy 37, 38 years ago. Uh, what was the name again, Danny? What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Shad, S-H-A-D, Helm Stetter. Um, uh, one word, Helm Stetter, S-T-E-T-T-E-R. Thank you. Um, the other book, John Becker and I went through, uh, or John Hurdy and I maybe, uh, The Lies We Believe uh, by uh, Dr. Chris Thurman. Um, uh, okay. Chris lives here in Austin and he's a, okay. he's a Christian, uh, therapist, psychologist or psychologist one. Okay. Uh, uh, QBQ is a good quick book. Um, um, I've got a DVD of, of, of those classes. I'd be glad to give you if somebody will listen to it. The deal is, are they willing to, I mean, one thing about a kid, um, I had somebody met with a, I was meeting with a friend and he brought his son, uh, recently his son's 24, 25 and something was said. And he said, well, I didn't have a choice. Dad used to plug in these tapes as, as we would go on trips and I had to listen to them. So he's getting that input. Right. And, um, um, most it, it's, um, uh, I'll give you it, it, yes, I do believe you can change, Tom. Okay. And, 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 and you know, example of that is that I think some of y'all have heard this. Maybe all of you have heard it, but uh, this is about, let's see, what's this? This is 2022. So it was about 10 years ago um, or 12 years, about two, it was 2010 into 11. Uh, to come out of the mortgage business, you had 400 employees and all this. We, we kept downsizing, downsizing, downsizing. And uh, after about two years of all of that, I drove up one day and Kathy is walking out as I'm walking, getting out of my truck. And she said, you okay? And I said, yeah. She said, no, you're not. And I said, I'm not. She said, no, something's wrong. You're acting like it's okay. It's a great day, Danny Smith, but you need to go upstairs and take one of your beloved assessments and see if you can figure out what's going on. And I'd been so much in the analytics that when I, I did, went upstairs, took a disc, and uh, my disc was, if you know what that is, was just inverted um, uh, from what it normally is. And I called an, uh, a, my, an old coach I had named Richard Bellius. I said, mm -hmm. is there a quick fix on this? What's going on? And he says, take it again. And I said, Richard, I've taken it three times over the last two days. Stress. And, and it's all the same. Uh, uh, and, yeah. uh, and he said, start plugging in tapes. And I started listening to Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and uh, Dennis mm -hmm. Whitley and uh, tapes. And I just started and it, and I took that, I took an assessment about a, two weeks later and about a month later, a month after that, about three, it took about uh, six months to get me back to my normal temperament. Hmm. And so some people are just, they've been that way their whole lives. So it's, uh, you got more to dilute. Um, 
somebody asked me, uh, you know, uh, I've been asked, why do you read so much? And I said, well, I'm trying to lose all the crap in my head and what I, and what I think about all the time is not good stuff. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I think about the stuff John says here, you're not supposed to be uh, you know, mm -hmm. thinking about. So we, we need more good stuff in, and it's those that in, in five years thing. So, yeah, so really, Dom, I do believe that people can change, but it's like an alcoholic. They've got to want to change. And they've right. got That's to what I was about to say. They've got to want to change. If they're not going to, they don't want to change, they're not going to change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Danny, 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 Danny one. I think it's, you know, the pushback is, you know, the, this person does not want to be accountable. This is painful. It, it's painful, right? And so, you know, that's the pushback. So they never get to the point to start the, the change the growth. So, what did you start to say, John? Well, I mean, you've got a teachable spirit. I mean, and that's a key part. Are you open? And do you have a teachable mm -hmm. spirit within you? Because you know, like Tom said, there's some people that just don't. They, they put up a wall and they, and they are not teachable. Because they don't want to be. Yeah. Uh, to to both of your points, uh, when down at the bottom of the hill there on twenty two twenty two, and I, you know, uh, we occupied all that space, and I uh, and a guy sent me the book, QBQ, the question behind the question, oh. and what's the subtitle about? Uh, anyway, about about it's about personal accountability. And that book, it, it, it teaches you. Um, Mike, that's okay. We, we muted you. And uh, uh, so if, if you want to talk, you, yeah, just unmute yourself. But we, it, it, remember that, that, that book, uh, uh, we went over it, what, a year ago, two years ago? And it teaches you, one, do not use the word who, or why, or when. Hmm. You use, and uh, um, just be sure I say it right, but you use, you know, where and what, where hmm. can I go and use hmm. I, you don't use you, you don't use we. So it gives some very specific hmm. things to practice. So at, at, you know, at corporate, we had about 125 people and I spent probably $25,000 over a three month period Had a trainer come in. We had at least CDs and, you know, uh, there's a guy to Waco uh, that was training this at the time. And everybody had to go through this class when everybody wanted, when everybody read the book and we started practicing, you know, you know, you know, um, what can I do uh, instead of Tom, why did you do that? It was uh, Tom, what could I have helped you with? Good point. Good point. And we had some serious kickback by a few people mm -hmm. told them you got to go through this class or, or your job's at stake. We had one guy named Chris. He made about he, he had a salary. He made about eighty thousand a year. He was the um, uh, executive assistant to uh, to one of our top guys, and he would not go through the class. He wanted to blame other people. He said somebody's mm -hmm. always at fault. 
and you and the book says you never blame any. I think it's on page forty-two of the book. It says you you, you never blame anybody, including yourself. And it, it was a little bit of you know Zig Ziglar said something uh, about that you tr you don't attack people, you attack events. And I think "tack" might be a stronger word than what he used. Uh, but Chris uh, quit because he knew he was, he, that he was going to be. He didn't show up for a tra if, uh, 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 for training. The, uh, and he had like he had numerous occasions, and he that he was getting ready to get fired, so he quit. Um, and a lot of people I've run into people. You know that was all back in seven and eight six, seven, and eight, we were practicing that. And, 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 and you were allowed to challenge somebody that got into this blaming mode to, to bring it back on you and ask yourself what you could do. It's part of the influencing thing that when you're influencing, uh, you, you've got somebody that you're influencing, like I mentioned a while ago, that you're trying to change their attitude. I mean, because people impact us. What Beth said, they impact us. And sometimes we can't run away from them. We can't get away from them. They might be sucking the life out of us, but we have to deal with them every day. Might be a spouse. And, um, uh, but, so how, what words do you start using to, to influence the other person? Sometimes it's easier just to fire them, Tom. <laughs> I appreciate the feedback. Yeah, there. I mean, I experienced that at Otsuka when we went when we changed the clothes from thirty days to three days. We had people that just thought it was a mission impossible and, and basically just left. And the weird thing was, there wasn't a single person fired. Everyone had a job, a new job, but they everyone was valuable. So there are people that just reject the whole idea could be done. Although every publicly traded company in the U.S. does it. Yeah. So. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, not trying to brag, but we use, go ahead, Beth. Oh, I was just good. I didn't want to interrupt, but I was thinking about Danny. I met you at Job Seekers Network, and that was a once a week therapy session to get people to stop saying, why poor me did I get laid off or I lose my job and I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that. But I found that it was so important for me to go every Monday I had a place to go and I had a pep talk on, you know, there is a way out of here and you can get so down when you've lost your job. Yep. You know, and, um, you know, so again, Tom, I don't know that situation with that person, but when you can get into some once a week, mastermind lifts me up. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, I don't oh. want to miss it because it's not just the intellectual talk. It's the, Hey, here's some people who care about, you know, my development, yeah. what's going on. Mm -hmm. And they're not, um, you know, no one's pointing fingers at anybody and saying, you know, you're just thinking about that wrong. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. wrong here. And the attitudes are so good. And so if you can get into a group like that, it's so, but they're rare. I think you got to go look for it. So. Yeah. I've got a paper that I'm pulling some stuff out of right now. You made me think about it. Anybody heard the inkling about the inklings? They were a group at, at, uh, in, in London, Cambridge. Uh, you had Tolkien, uh, C.S. Lewis, you know, um, 
uh, got in Charles Williamson and a couple of others and, and how they lifted each other up for, uh, for, for years. And, um, the, you know, uh, Mike was part of a, I guess something was going on there at his new job, but uh, Mike was working for a company that I started coaching at about eight, nine years ago. And Rob wanted to, he wanted to change the culture. And uh, so we came, I came in um, every week. And we did this type of thing and uh, he, he bribed people. I said, Rob, there's mandate and there's buy-in food always gets buy-in so if you'll pay everybody you know their normal wage come in and sit in a meeting for an hour and a half and feed them a good lunch so he had some really good sandwiches brought in different things and desserts and and i said oh and, and if and if you're playing the long game you'll one change some people two some people will leave and three you'll hire other people like the people that uh, uh, the culture that you want. And the first six months or more, uh, we started with his about the top 12 people that he dealt with the most, you know, six or eight direct reports and a few others. And then we started uh, anybody in the company. And I was out there twice a week for an hour and a half. And uh, we just kind of go through these books and get people having a common language. Uh, so, uh, huge difference. Go ahead, um, so Danny, so playing sports like baseball, right? Where you have teams, um, there was, there was two kinds of players. There was raw talent and then there was extreme natural ability. And it was always true on a team that the guy with the natural ability didn't work near as hard as the person with the raw ability. But the way that, uh, our baseball team in college without scolding anybody was everybody hustled and you knew who the people were that weren't keeping up. So we led by example, not by words. So we'd stay and take extra batting practice. And then the guys that really didn't started showing up to do it because we were staying late. We didn't have to say a word. We just committed to the, the team. And so sometimes as Beth was saying, you know, you just, you get around the right, people doing the right things and it rubs off on them without having to say a word or they stay in the sandbox forever that's fine either way yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it rubs off it rubs off or people will leave because you're working they, they, you know they, they get mad at you about something else and uh, uh so Anybody ever heard of Charlie Tremendous Jones before reading this on page 61? Let's see if I've got it here just a second. Can I play the Jeopardy song, please? <laughs> well, I, I normally keep it right over here by my desk, by my chair. Just bum, 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 bum. <laughs> anyway. Um, I, uh, Charlie Tremendous I heard I heard Charlie uh, speak in about 1978. I went to a Hobie Cat, you know what Hobie Cat catamarans are, mm -hmm. uh, convention, and heard this guy speak. Uh, and um, little bit, little bitty, little 
paperback um, called Life is Tremendous. He said that the only difference between who you are today and the person you will be in the five, well, it's the same thing we've been talking about here. Come, the, uh, come from the books you read and the people you associate with. Birds of a feather. Yeah, I missed this when I read this uh, uh, this part last week um, about him being even in there. He also said, enjoy today because it's just going to get worse tomorrow. <laughs> Love it. So find ways to relieve stress. Somebody asked what I did on my birthday. You ate I'll run. Ice cream. 50, I did have ice cream, but um, uh, 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 but also had a fifteen mile run. Relieve stress. Don't take Danny, yourself were you too stressed through your birthday. No, no, uh. -uh. No, the uh, uh, take action to change your attitude. In part, Tom, I'm stressed because I've, I accepted a challenge to get up at 4.30 every morning and post it this month. It's killing me. <laughs> wow. Uh, not really. A lot of good stuff in here, guys. Um, about taking uh, take action to change your attitude. He quotes uh, Dr. Glosser that if you want to change your attitude, start with the change in behavior. In other words, begin to act the part as well as you can of the person you would rather be, the person you most want to become. Gradually, the old fearful person will fade away. Um, I was uh, thinking of Dr. Atia uh, yesterday was interviewing somebody, uh, Rhonda Patrick. And she said uh, that you have to, if, if you want to be healthy, you have to think about, you ask yourself, what would a healthy person eat? What would a healthy person be doing? Zig Ziglar in 1991 pointed at me and said, if you want to change, I suggest, you want things to change, I suggest you first start changing what's coming out of your mouth every time you answer the phone. And that's when I started going, it's a great day, Danny Smith. Change requires actions. I love this statement. Most people wait until they feel like it to change their attitude. If you wait until you feel like it to change your attitude, you will never change. You have to act yourself into changing. Beth, you're an act yourself into changing type person. I can tell. <laughs> I am. That's exactly right. And I was even thinking about uh, the employee. I think there's an employee Tom was talking about that, you know, if you could just ask somebody to just act like they have, like things are good, even if they're not, you know what I mean? Like, could you just come in tomorrow and act like things are good for one day? You know? Beth, <laughs> Beth you're reading my mind because I did that. And you just kind of fake it for a couple of days so we get through this. I mean, really, I, I mean, I didn't say, but it was really what they needed. They were just, they were terrible. They were terrible. Yeah, but, but yeah, you know, fake it till you make it is something that we say, mm -hmm. but um, same thing with your attitude. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
have to figure out where I read this or listened to it the last few days, but it was a pastor. I think it was a pastor helping um, someone through a tough time with a coworker. And he suggested to her, well, just start thinking how much you love her. And start thinking about how, of, of any good thing that she does. And, uh, oh, it's her boss. That her boss is always picking on her. Boss is always doing this. Boss is a sorry boss. Boss is a sorry manager. So over the course of about 30 days, with nothing but her thoughts about it, um, it changed. And all of a sudden, he's... Um, called her up in front of a group and gave her an award and uh, for, for all the good work she was doing. And, you know, he had done, the boss had made no changes. It was her. Yep. But, you know, I, me and my wife were just talking about this back in the day. We're talking about like 20 plus years ago. My wife worked at a Hastings. We were going through college and all that. And she had a boss who was just a jerk all the time. And I, me and my wife were talking about one day and I said, just say something nice to her. And she said one thing nice to her, like something looked nice that day or like your blouse or whatever. Forever after that, she thought my wife was the most wonderful person ever. Now, she still had a little negative attitude, but she was a lot nicer to my wife than she was a lot of other people because she just said one nice thing. And then, of course, my wife said other nice things to her afterward, but just amazing. One nice thing. So uh, we were just actually talking about that today. <laughs> so. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, well, and usually if they're cranky, everybody hates them, right? So, you know, that one nice thing can really make an impact. Exactly. My husband right now, I'll tell you what, he's he's a negative Nelly completely. You know, he was in Mexico for a month and everything's gone wrong since we've gotten back. Two cars in the shop, computer's not working right, you know, and I had to do a, an online thing on his desktop and I had to clear the cash and for some reason, some of them, it doesn't keep the password then and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and he's just swearing a blue streak and he's so mad. And I'm just, it took me a minute to go, boy, I understand that's frustrating. You know, just sounding like you're talking to a toddler and he doesn't hear it that way, even though I'm talking to a toddler. I'm like, you know, that must really be frustrating. And then like when the password, I said, you know, I think I did something that made that happen. I'll be glad to fix it. Let me, let me try. And like, you know, it sort of diffuses the whole thing. Cause I'll tell you what, my first reaction is like, look, I'm working. I got this. What do you, you know, <laughs> I just didn't, I just wasn't quite sure. And he's just been, you know, he was in, he was on vacation for a month. It's hard to come back. Of course. Oh, so so, you know, remember that show Two and a Half Men with Charlie Sheen, that disgusting sitcom yeah. where he always had problems with women and because yes. he never listened. Yeah. You remember on that one show what he did? All these women were coming to him and they would say something. He'd just go, I understand. Yeah. And the whole show was, I understand. And they just thought he was the best oh, listener yeah. and the greatest guy in the world because what all he was said this? was uh, Two yeah. and a Half Men. He goes, I understand. Oh, yeah. And that's all he said. I understand. And they were all just, oh, you're such a good listener. I'm so, and he's like raising his eyebrows going, yeah. <laughs> all the wrong motivation, right? All the wrong reasons, but. Yeah. 
But I mean, I've been living with somebody really cranky. I'd like to kick out of the house because it's just so annoying. (laughs) But, you know, I'm also thinking just what you said about, okay, I got to remember what I like. He's a good guy. That's not the problem. He's just been on vacation too long. And it's hard to integrate back in. I had a my first training with SmithKline and French, it was GlaxoSmithKline. We had a, the head of training came the last day and he said, you can go home smart or you can go home dumb. He said, don't go home and tell them all the great things that you did. We've been out to dinner. We went to, you know, this, we, you know, all these fancy things we did, right? He said, go home and just shut up and ask them how their three weeks were while you were in training and how the, washing machine broke down and how the kids got, you know, strep throat or whatever, just listen. And I still, that's some of the best advice I'd ever gotten. You know, Danny, that verse in Ecclesiastes says that uh, during the good times, be happy, go get them, have a blast. But during the bad times, consider. (laughs) There you go. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I was at a, uh, I remember being at a, uh, a meeting with a guy one night. He'd come in from out of town. He was in town for, t- for three or four days. He was a consultant. And he and I had gone out to dinner. And uh, this is back in the days we didn't have cell phones. His pager went off. He said, oh, my wife needs me. Hold on a minute. He came back like 30 minutes later. And he'd been in at payphone, steak and ale. And he said, well, that didn't go well. And uh, his wife, uh, uh, somewhere in D.C. from Virginia on some bridge, had had a flat and one thing or another. And uh, they ended up eating soggy sandwiches. And one th- and she was complaining and all that. And, and, and then he says, honey, my steak's about ready. Can I? Uh, yeah, there's nothing I can do, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, not a smart thing to be doing. Go home smarter, go home dumb. I, I love that. Go home smarter, go home dumb. I like that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's good. I just yeah. wrote that down, Beth. Thank you. You're welcome. Guy named Jeff Mackey, M A C K E Y, Jeff yeah. Mackey. Yeah. Can't fix stupid. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I kind of figured we'd, we would rush through this chapter and into another one. But um, so uh, we're, yeah. let's finish up with the with the uh, questions um, beginning on page 69 of steps to take along the way. How far can I go? So uh, rights or responsibilities, which am I more likely to think and talk to others about? If the answer is rights, what can I do to change that attitude? This is that kid that got fired at the law firm that we talked about. Yep. 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 Because he wanted his rights. I should be this, I should be that. Didn't take responsibility for why did I get yelled at or why was I in this situation? So totally perfect question right there. I I know somebody has a problem with documents right now with that problem. Just kidding. (laughs) Hey, Uh, um, so, oh. I was going to say, so I, I was going back to this. This is a real appropriate chapter because I was thinking back to recovery days uh, in 12 steps and everything. You know, everything in life's a trigger, everything. 
and and they're built in. And and if they were established long enough, I don't care how hard you work on them, they're always going to be present and and ready to be activated. And and so when I was teaching myself to journal, one of the things I wrote down was what are my triggers, what causes hmm. them. And what can I do to start to work on these instead of just being so reactive and be a little bit more proactive in changing the way I react to things? But I will tell you, it doesn't take much. If you hit me with a certain thing at a certain time and a certain part of the day, if things are not going right and that trigger will go off and before you know it, you're in it and there's no, and you just go, whoa, where'd it come from? But it happens. So, so you know, we're human. Yeah. I think my, my t uh, take on that is, you know, God gives each of us some really unique, specific skill set, whether we recognize it or not. And that comes with responsibility. And I think that, you know, when I got that, that was huge because, you, you know, it's, uh, you've met people where, They've got some natural talent or skill, and it seems like it's wasted because, you know, it's all about ego. Their ego won't fit in a room. But, I mean, God gives you stuff you're good at, and then you've got a responsibility to use it for, you know, his purpose. And uh, we fail. But when we try, I mean, it's a lot better than saying, I have a right to fill in the blank versus I have a responsibility to share or help people or you know, fill, whatever you want, whatever you want to say about it. I get a little nervous, Tom, when I hear that because I'm always thinking back to the parable of the of when he gave the silver and 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 then yes. they had to come back and be accountable for what they did with it, you know. Yes. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it, 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 that's such a good, an interesting that's a good thing to keep present on mind. You know, is is yeah. what do I need to do to be responsible to that calling today? You know, uh, that's we get lost. We get we get we get lost in our days and we forget all about the stuff we should be doing. Yeah, you get in your head or you get lost in a busy day. I yep. do. I do. I do. Yeah, you know, uh somewhere in John's in John, one of John Maxwell's books, he talks in depth about rights and responsibilities. And as you go um uh, as your responsibilities increase, your rights de decrease. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, people, uh, who is the most positive person you know, write his or her name down, make an appointment to talk to that person, ask what he or she does Beth. to remain positive. Uh, Beth. What's that, Beth? Yeah. Beth. Yeah, Beth. <laughs> Oh, it's the drugs, guys. It's the drugs. It's the drugs. Oh, that's it. Okay. <laughs> now we know. Diana. By the way, yeah. that's going to come across yeah. really bad on audio because they can't oh. see your face expression, okay? <laughs> okay, it's ethical pharmaceuticals. How's that? No. Okay, thank you. There you go. There I'll leave it in now. He has a prescription. It's okay. <laughs> the uh, stress. Name some positive ways you can relieve stress and schedule some time in the next week to do at least one of them. Walk. Humor. We just had some of that. During the next week, tell at least one person a funny story about something that you recently did wrong or an accident that made you look foolish. Enjoy the joke together. If the person is a friend and looks shocked or uncomfortable, you may have a history of taking yourself too seriously. I want to add to that. If you're in a work environment, 
and you cannot find your sense of humor, you probably need to do a 180 and find that other door God provides. Because it is, if you lose your sense of humor, it is tough. We've all been there in a job situation where it wasn't easy, but when you see no, when you can't even make a joke or laugh with people, there's a serious problem. I think. I mean, it's 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 very deep seated. Yeah, um, we had a we were collectively, you know, hundred and something people. We were probably about eighty people, and we decided we were going to really determine what our real values were not what our values we wanted them to be what are they and then the want to be and see where the gap was and but it come up with a really good value statement which we did and you know about 90 days collectively and the one thing that kept coming out was people wanted a value of fun and i'm going what i didn't at the i didn't understand it really and then the deal with Danny, you, you, you're having fun doing all this. We're not you. So, uh, uh, <laughs> and in fact, there's a study out there about work and that one of the reasons people will stay at a job is if it's fun, which is kind of where, you know, Google and some of them have gone way beyond where they've got pool tables and this and that. But, you know, if you're a millennial, you really want to have fun at work and you don't want it to be, you know, punching a clock. Yeah, yeah I tell you, we're talking to a guy who worked for a company called, I can't, Main Street Media, I think it was. It's a sales company downtown, and they would do a bunch of sales. And he said, oh, you know, I, I saw him a couple times. I remember he was telling me about the pool tables and that beer and then also the other stuff. And then I talked to him after, after he left that job, and he's like, he has the worst job I've ever had. He said they do that to try to get you to enjoy it, but he said it's a horrible job. He said we worked like so many hours, and if you didn't get a stay, in, if you didn't work a lot enough hours, or you probably weren't going to hit your quota. If you didn't hit your quota, you weren't going to be paid as much, and you would lose your bonus and all this other stuff. He says it's a horrible job. He's like you have all that stuff, but if you spend time playing those games and drinking that beer, you'll never get your job done. <laughs> yeah. I, I did some work. I did some work for a software company. And where their, where their uh, ping pong table was, there was a bank of vending machines, except these didn't require coin. You just hit the button. I said, what does that cost? She goes, nothing. I said, what do you mean? So spent $10,000 last month on snacks. They worked $50,000 worth of overtime, and I never paid them. And he, I was like, oh. He goes, I just keep filling the machines, man. I went, I mean, you know, I mean, right or wrong, that was his attitude. But people were, they were staying there working late and working with each other, eating candy bars or drinking soda. He said, whatever it takes, I'll do it. So. Wow. Attitude statement. Write a positive attitude creed for yourself, stating your intention to become a positive person. Um, let's see, who was, uh, let's see, John was in the, um, uh, Thursday morning, the Ironman group, we went through the 15 invaluable. No, we went through uh, Think and Grow Rich. Right. And um, Scott Carley was challenged to write more or less this out about a creed, a statement about what he wanted to accomplish and some stuff and, and for, do it for 30 days. And he did it for 500 days. 
and it and it changed the scope of his business and what he was doing. Uh, he's doing one right now. Uh, you know, some of that was probably he probably ended that. Or, uh, John, we went through that about four years ago, so he probably ended that. Has it been that long, ago. man? Yeah, I guess it has. Yeah, yeah. And uh, fun. Do what, Paul? Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, guys, I appreciate it. And gals, I say guys. I'm from Minnesota where we're all guys. All right. Uh, Ural, man, I, I, I guess you like listening to all these old people talk. Yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. Good, good wisdom. I'm on here. All right. Uh, full transparency on listening to the book okay. over uh, reading it. So I'm almost done and I'll start back over and be ready to catch back up next week. I, I missed last week. Yep. That was my fault for not preparing for it. Yep. All good. All good. We're going to be on chapter four next week. Okay. How do I get there from here? Okay. Sounds good. Oh, I like that sign. What does it say? Adventure. Oh, uh, adventures in my soul. Very good. What's that yeah. list next to it? What's that list next to it? It's my uh, my goals, which are still blank. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, we need to get together and have some coffee and figure that out. Let me know if I can yep. help. Yep. Yeah, dude. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Yep. Thanks, Dan. Have a great week. Bye. Bye, guys.